0: Hello. Welcome to the Research Podcast. This is the show where we explore ongoing changes in the post-COVID research and technology world. I'm your host, Lipsa Nag. So let's get started. Today, we're going to talk about new tools that are being developed to understand the fundamentals of biology. Why is this research so interdisciplinary? And what unique advantages do specialists in diverse domains bring to interdisciplinary research? My guest today is Pamina Martina-Winkler. Pamina has a PhD in photonics from ICFO in Barcelona and is an incoming postdoc at EPFL in Lausanne. A physicist by training, Pamina talks about what drew her to life science research, the advantages physicists in particular bring to interdisciplinary projects, and how she thinks biophotonics research will evolve in the future. We also talked about the question every researcher asks after their PhD. Should I create knowledge by staying in academia, or should I create value by moving to the industry? Pamina thinks she has an interesting perspective on this question. Stay tuned to find out in this episode of the Research Podcast. Welcome,
1: Pamina. Thank you My, for doing
2: this. Thank you, Lips, for inviting me. I'm really excited. So, yeah.
1: So, tell me something uh, about your PhD research project. Uh, the title sounds super complex for someone who's not from the domain. Uh, you mentioned that your PhD is in photonics, but uh, the title has antennas that are super small. Uh, I don't know if everyone who's listening understands what spectroscopy is and how these two can be used to study uh, lipids and proteins that are organized on a cell membrane.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's not the easiest, let's say, title or even it it has many elements, but also my institute is... is physics-based or photonics-based and photonics is just the science of light so all what we do is from different approaches and in many different fields across physics we use light to manipulate to study and for whatever type of research we do and I chose to do the research um, at the interface because with physics and biology and this is because I'm always like interested in understanding more in-depth basically how we work as humans and how so that that attracted me to to have not only a tool or the basis of physics but to actually do something which has relevance in the life of people at least eventually will help us to understand better how we function as humans and in that sense if you come from physics fields you know that the smallest uh, unit is an atom and the smallest unit the equivalent in biology is a cell so really the fundamental cell biology is this part why I uh, studied on the cell membrane and the cell membrane is composed of different lipids and proteins and they diffuse with certain speeds and then how this cell is organized in space and time is actually how the cell functions in that sense it gives it has implications on how the signals works from inside to the outside or the outside to the inside. And that is, in a way, triggered by that lipid and proteins, they form clusters for some time, and this triggers a signaling cascade on the inside, for example, if a signal comes on the outside. And to understand that, you need a certain tool set to really study this, because this is on the level of nanometer, which is, let's say, compared, if you compare the, the Earth, to a football or yeah soccer football. And that's the scale when you compare a meter to a nanometer. So that's really at that level, at the molecular level where I want to study. And for this, you need special tools. And that are certain antennas, I would call them. They offer this this space in space, the resolution to study this. And then you need a temporal component. And this you get by putting a, a tag, like a label on the fluid, uh, and this is fluorescence. This gives me light. Fluorescence is just a, a, a light which comes back from the from the lipid or protein of interest. So that are all the components which allow me then to really understand how the cell membrane is organized.
1: So, so these antennas, these super small antennas, they help you understand the the, spatiotemporal like the spatial temporal resolution. They don't.
2: I mean, they are more the tool. Like to so together these antennas. With the fluorescence correlation spectroscopy, so meaning this, this they give me their high spatial temporal and allow me to do that. It's more like a, a tool set, I would say, or a platform, something to help me. And and what kind of information can you
1: get out of these uh, these studies?
2: It gives me a certain, like the lipids and proteins, if they they diffuse. Like you can imagine that the, the cell membrane is kind of a fluid lipid bilayer, so mainly, and then you have Proteins also incorporated into the into this fluid membrane, and this membrane is like four or five nanometers thick. And and these lipid and proteins, they depending on their chemical structure, they they they, and also depending on the function and whatever they are supposed to do, they diffuse in this membrane. And this to do with uh, the diffusion basically is in a at a different speed. Depending if they diffuse alone or as a pack of two, three, four, five, ten, and then on this, this we had like by by getting the information on the diffusion time of the lipid we are labeling, um, we can we know if it's diffusing alone or together, and for this we can understand how likely it is the deformed domains or if they at all and with whom during the basically to in the to understand, uh, yeah this gives us indirectly information, how they organize like whether they cluster, whether they do not form cluster with this or that uh, uh, protein. So in a way it helps you, it's like another tool
1: that helps you better understand cell biology, you can say. And, yeah.
2: Uh, to, to understand pending fundamental cell biology question. Yeah.
1: And maybe uh, also in, um, I, I don't know, like in the, uh, maybe in the mechanism of action of drugs and, uh, and basically, if the, because it's really at the cell membrane, you you have like all the transport between the, uh, between the outside and the inside. So if you're studying,
2: yeah, exactly. So eventually, the goal is to study it in the context of of a disease or in comparison to a healthy cell. So you have to understand at least the stereotypical, or the healthy cell, and then you can compare it to the case of the of any disease. And the actually, in my group. We use different, not only my um, approach of using antennas, but any kind of like super resolution technique, meaning that you are really able to have a resolution at the scale of, of the lipids and proteins. There are different techniques. And we in my research group, we all use different approaches to understand that better. And some are more even in the context of cancer, for example, they use, or more, some of the projects are really more advanced and they already work with, with um, blood cells from from donors from the hospital and it depends on the blood pro- group um uh, <laughs> the project of this person um but i also like this character that in the group meetings we were discussing a broad range of different topics and all are set in the concept uh, in the context of different cell biology questions wow. yeah
1: so there's there there are many different applications of uh... Of these studies in a way
2: yeah so in that sense yes and also it's it's a it's interesting to to understand how the different mindsets or people from different backgrounds if you come from immunology or you you're more a cell biologist or you come from pure physics and optics or you come I don't, somewhere in between biophysics and whatever background you have and we all have to communicate also in that sense it's already interesting and then we can as a group tackle a broad range of questions and yeah and then that's really interesting
1: because um, i think that goes back to your 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 first um, introduction to the subject uh, about why you became interested in the in the subject at all Uh, that as a physicist you wanted to solve like uh, problems that were closer to life Uh, i would ask you the question a bit uh, differently like what do you think is the value you bring on to, to a research project that is so close to to biology and to life in a way? Because it's such a multidisciplinary uh, team that you work with and an interdisciplinary project. So what do you think uh, is the real um, value that physics brings to this, or photonics?
2: Ah, okay, in the sense of the the, um, the background I have, I think physics, and it's also why via- I always like to work at the interface but not go completely switch to now cell biology because I do love the, the the impact you get even for the postdoc now I hope to go more in to have a more direct impact because I mean I'm doing my PhD and all my lab is still doing very fundamental cell biology questions and to find out to seek answers in that field. I would like to go more applied, see a more direct impact, but I still come from the field of physics for that reason that I think physics at least gives you a bit more the the setting of yes or no. It's a bit clearer. I mean, what I understand with biology is always like you have the control of the control to make sure that this mechanism is not this. Like their thinking is often like, since you can try, if you want, you're interested in one protein and the function, you can try to to fully silence it and not and and try to understand what is in if that's not present. But in biology, you still have the possibility that actually is a res- rescue mechanism. I mean. Humans are made that we survive and adapt in every context. So out in the cell, even at that thing, we'll always find a way to, to compensate for that. And in that sense, with physics, at least you come from a perspective where you have more yes or no, more clear tools in that sense. Or not, yeah. So
1: basically helping, um, helping kind of organize the field a little bit to have more yes and no clear answers and, and having more uh, standard frameworks that can be used, that can be reused. Uh yeah and also like
2: saying that this is, is fine at some point we just have to accept yeah this is a bring a bit more clarity in one hand but also the other for sure which is the obvious thing is the technical side I mean that you can interpret because you know better um what the technique uh, has the capabilities and how to solve and troubleshoot and also um if we need to adapt the technique, how you have embedded the knowledge. In that sense, a biology doing, uh, using any super resolution technique is more a user and is not able to get like behind and, and modify the technique. So I think it's really the fruitful thing is to to have a collaboration where you, you're really like be able to change one or the other side quickly. So you're saying that, uh, that,
1: that with the biology, you kind of get access to new problems but with physics in a way you, with the physical tools you can you can discover how to solve those problems with uh, with your methods like uh like you did in your phd with the antennas and the fluorescence spectroscopy because yeah. i guess that's a, that's a tool that's very typically uh, uh from the physics world but that has great implications in the in the cell biology world yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. To to broaden their standard tool set, what is already well-established. And this is like more cutting edge on both sides. And if you work closely together, you yeah can advance quicker, I would say. And oh, I also wow. think you always get like different perspectives in that sense that even when you think in your mindset and then you get a question which comes from a, from a different field, you think about your problem differently, and that also makes you a bit more creative in your problem-solving approach.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's something That's something I've noticed in multidisciplinary teams, that uh, if you have people from different backgrounds, somehow problem-solving and brainstorming becomes much easier because everyone has their own way of thinking and their own way of uh, developing a solution. So yeah, I yeah. guess that should be super interesting. And especially, it's it's usually the physicists who like to have yes or no answers, so you kind of create the constraints uh, within the problem. So that's that's actually quite yeah. useful to have. Otherwise, uh, things can things can go pretty much everywhere, right?
2: Yeah, right. And then also like the the thing of like you no, know, there's when do you drop a project or when do you have to take a different route? I think yeah, that's also a difficult question to ask. <laughs> but at least if you. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah it's a uh, and it's very important to know like when not to continue and the uh, and yeah when yeah. i mean how to know Although i think
2: even i guess from your this is also what i'm looking forward and i think Lip, so you have more experience in but when you work more with industry or something you have more than the deadlines and you have more you're more focused also on resources and like energy wasted in that sense that at some point might be that in i don't know in two years time from now we have a nice solution but it's just not worth worth it no and that that is also mindset maybe which makes it for the physicists easier to go in more technical industry projects but yeah
1: I- definitely I, I do find that, actually that's a very good point because i do find that uh that when you come from a physics background it's uh especially like if if you have like a like a hard photonics background, it's very easy to, sometimes it's, it's quite easy to find your place in the industry because there are so many fields uh, that, that do use optics and use photonics uh, as, like a, as like a means to develop their product. Uh, and there are so many industries that you can go to, whether it's like the semiconductor industries, whether it's really the optical instruments industry, where it's—I mean, there are there are so many. You you can even go more towards like uh, analytical chemistry, just to analyze products and we build new tools to analyze like either um, life science samples, chemical samples, etc. So the world is quite open. But somehow, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also interested in your journey because uh, you're like between the two for quite some time, like whether to go to industry and uh, and do project management and business development or whether to go into academia. And I guess in the end, you found a perfect solution to this problem.
2: Yeah, at least, let's say, for the next two or three years, which is, uh, I mean, it, I think it, it's also more of our generation now where you, you won't find a job until, <laughs> until you retire. So <laughs> at least now my next step is... It's a bit like the both things or the good things of two worlds, you know, staying in academia, but also working with industry and getting to know how that works in terms of project management, also how you set goals and how you do feedback and, and, and discussion. So I'm looking forward to get to know that and, and maybe yeah, develop my research approach or my way of working and doing research. But but still, I will have the possibility to do one or the other. So I, I'm taking over from a postdoc who just got hired into industry. But I'm I'm still I will be still able to also choose freely my project and have the flexibility to say one or the other. And in the end, I'm also really happy that I I will do a, like will go for a postdoc and not directly change to project management, but still. Oh, yeah leaving it open that maybe later on i will do that but now i also like i'm let's say still motivated enough to to do all the high and lows of <laughs> research what and 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 you also do indirectly the project management what i'm interested in but you also have the the great things the, the great moments when you actually re- obtain some results and 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 yeah and discover discover something and I think I'm yeah for the next step I'm really looking forward to yeah still have all of this package and I somehow managed to find a really nice position yeah let's see so in a way
1: I think that's that's true it's uh, it's very hard to to learn soft skills and to master soft skills when you're doing a PhD because very often your work is uh, quite isolated I don't know how it was for for you but for me, definitely, I was, uh, I was quite isolated. I was working on my problem on my own, especially uh, when you're writing your thesis, when you're writing a paper, you're doing it uh, for long periods of time alone, sitting with your laptop or with whatever tools you use to write. Uh, and especially when you go to the industry, you realize that you have to work with uh, collaboratively with a lot of people. You have to set deadlines. You have to convince people uh, a lot of the times to to follow the path you want them to and uh. And yeah i think that's uh, that's really a challenge to develop soft skills when for years you've trained yourself to to not have them that much so i think that's that should be quite interesting uh, i wanted to know like uh your path is like more and more towards um industry now a bit because you're, you're doing an industrial postdoc but uh, are you looking also for a for a multidisciplinary team to work with uh or are you going to work with a multidisciplinary team soon and is that something that appeals to you? And will you continue to work at the, at the at the frontier of physics and biology, or or is that something that that's also going to evolve with time?
2: So yeah, when I had this time of wondering what I want to do, um, actually these were the main aspects I figured out after some introspection, which count for you, me, and which are really essential for me. And this is this like working at the interface. And ideally, I wanted to have a more direct impact. Also, I guess, given in the in the context that my sisters are medical doctors and the pandemic, you wanted to do something with a but like a more direct impact, and thus going more towards industry where you see that your solution might be quicker somehow in the market or implemented somewhere. And the other part was. Uh, the interdisciplinary character of the team because I'm used to do that and in my group also like in my PhD I was working alone but on my product uh, uh, project but we were always like giving feedback in the whole group uh, and this was a bigger group like 12-15 people but I always had like these collaborations and this is I'm very grateful for um, my PhD supervisor, that she allowed me to to grow in that, that I uh, had like collaborations across Europe, and also I went to to India for that, and and also that was one of the pillars I wanted to carry on, that to to work in collaborative projects, and that is also why I actually applied to this position. These pillars are there, and also eventually. Um, yeah so that for sure will be a must in whatever I will do also later that I I I'm not I'm not working I'm not good at working alone and I'm getting easily frustrated and I think it's for me it's important to work in a team that I also like as I said doing your PhD you have the time period and you will always have time periods where it's also good to be on your own and really get a bit into like make some introspective analysis of and interpret the results, but I think on the bigger thing, I'm always like, I need to work in a team. And I mean, even to that extent that, I mean, when the pandemic hit a year ago, it was for me a lucky coincidence that it actually was the starting point basically of writing my thesis. So it was anyways, a place, a time point where I had to be like on my own and then it was perfect. And then I, yeah, in that setting, it facilitated me. Although I also had to at the at the beginning to get into it and really not listen to the news and whatever. But in the end, I <laughs> it I, it was a perfect time. But I then, as soon as I came out of my, um, let's say, <laughs> workplace with a with a written thesis or almost with a written thesis, I realized that for me it's important to. To even go to the office or like, because my institute soon allowed or soon, fairly soon after the first strict lockdown period allowed us to come back with a lot of restrictions. But at least that we could see on a more or less regular basis, even talk to the team and the group. And for me, that's essential. So I even figured out that, yeah, just working from home is well it's for me challenging so i'm definitely a team player and the more of different backgrounds even if it's like in terms of background in like science or research or technical background but also i, I enjoy working with different cultural backgrounds and like all them whatever goes into diverse multidisciplinary interdisciplinary teams mm-hmm. and also I must say I like the flexibility and the virtual possibilities, but I do also need to see them in person, I guess. But yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's also something I've been thinking about. Uh, how the the new tools like Zoom uh, that we're doing this call on and. Uh, and Teams and uh, Google Hangouts, Google Meet, et cetera, that, uh, that really facilitate virtual interactions uh, might change the, the culture of academic research because a lot of it also happens. Uh, as far as I remember back, back in 2019, when I was last in an academic lab, we were doing everything uh, in person. Um, of course, a lot of that is true for experimental research where, where, you, have to, where you have to do your experiment. Uh, you can't launch them virtually. But do you think that uh, that's something that might change with the pandemic, that uh, there might be more and more interactions, like you said, because uh, academic research is rich because of the, the the diversity of thought, if I can say that, uh, diversity in cultures that uh, that different academics bring. Uh, but at the same time, uh, with these new tools, it's become easier to, to interact with each other. Do you think um, there will be a cultural change uh, In the way academic research is done in your field um, uh, after after the pandemic or do you think that will come back to the way it was before?
2: Yeah I do see an impact and I also see this typically what everyone is talking with this pandemic fatigue but let's say overall I think there are two points like when you already are in collaborations or you have ongoing projects it's, it's, it's a very efficient tool to do virtual quick Skypes or Zoom calls and just to check in. And, and also on the one hand is that, and on the other hand is also the, the flexibility. I think that's more across this um, um, other um, work, workplaces, I would say than in, in science, because we always had a very flexible schedule. We never worked like by this necessary set of hours, we have to People essentially there, so I think this flexibility will now spread to other um, types of work or um, positions. And I think overall it's nice. And also you you are efficient. I mean, whatever restriction there will be, but if you say you do three days of experimental work and the other two days you are at home analyzing and and writing, it and then you 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 don't have to commute. So I think in that sense it's a great tool set but my only thing where I think it's still a bit I'm a bit apprehensive of but it's also a bit of a personal thing is this virtual networking or really replacing conferences so I do like the in-person interactions and to also establish I would say them the confidence the trust in people that you can go forward if you don't know each other already before um, I'm not sure how much you can replace this virtually. I mean, I've seen now recently also that this type of platforms they really improved, and there are great platforms already there where networking is feasible and possible, and also made easy to to even in, in some cases it even can reduce the threshold that you're less shy to ask questions. But on the other hand, me personally, I would say it it's it's a great tool to maintain and be efficient on an on ongoing projects but from time to time you need and it also it's like cost effective you don't have to fly for the day to brussels just to present in front of the european council your project that's i mean that is it's a waste of time and energy and even like with all the climate change i mean this can be cut down and if this is like now made easier it's, it's a great thing but on the other hand i would say from time to time to check in with people, to, to establish new collaborations. And also just even with your colleagues from time to time that all of you are there and go randomly for a coffee. I think this also helps in the creative, innovative aspect. And this, I, I have my apprehension that this you can replace virtually.
1: That's true. That's also something, I, that's a very good point because I don't know how, how conferences have been happening. And I guess uh, you're, you're right that if someone else is presenting a talk and someone very big and famous, then I'm usually less apprehensive to ask questions online. I can just type it in and it goes in a chat box. I don't have to physically raise my hand and get the mic and ask the question because uh, I don't know, for people who are shy, it can be a bit uh, nerve wracking. But uh, the highlight of going to conferences is also meeting people and creating connections and and launching new projects together and uh, going for a coffee, going for a drink and Going for I don't know lunch or dinner is is quite essential for that. So you can just be in a in a in a space where nothing is formal, nothing is imposed on you, and you can you can discuss uh, uh, topics and projects openly. uh, Yeah, which which I guess would be quite different, right? Uh, in In an online conference when you're networking.
2: Yeah, because I mean. If you don't know that you don't even think of the possibility that there might be something in common no and then you i mean unless you have not you have heard already from this person it's difficult i mean i think it's more these random things like you you start a conversation and you discover in in an informal context over i don't know a drink that yeah, you're doing this and that, and even then, maybe it's not that you directly launch a project, but later on you will come back and, and contact this person with regard to something else, and then, I don't know, something else starts, but I think it's it's more this, yeah, co- coincidental interactions with happen and you cannot plan them no i mean they just yeah. happen and then later on you maybe profit from them yeah that's yeah. true
1: because uh, sometimes you're even in a group and you're with a few people at the same time and uh, they somehow have complementary skills and uh, yeah i mean i, I guess it depends uh, what kind of a conference you're in also but uh, yeah but yeah that's that's yeah, a that's a very good point. Also,
2: yeah and i think in general it also it's another type which is enhanced. I mean, even like when you do a Zoom call and it's two to four people, I think you can coordinate well. But other than that, it's often, it. I mean there's so people like they, they are just because of the bandwidth because they are fast they they start talking and then the others never say something no it's, yeah, i had the yeah. feeling like it's a chaos zoom calls of modern people is a
1: chaos. yeah i was just thinking about that i think when you're in front of a computer or when you're in front of a screen for long periods of time you need like a consistent stimulus to keep to keep yourself engaged Whereas like when you're physically with other people, you don't usually need that. And I wonder
2: why. It's also like, I guess you didn't walk around. I don't know. You go, I don't know. It's a bit, it's more natural. I think it's, I don't know. But I guess also there will be types who are more like types of person, I guess, who are better dealing with that. I'm not really one of them, but yeah, perhaps that's,
1: that's a great idea for the podcast. I should
2: try to find people who like networking
1: virtually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe just do a pro contract.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to see where the value is, because uh, yeah. yeah, I think uh, we both agree. And I guess I do get the feeling that I don't know what you think, but I do get the feeling that uh, after the pandemic, um, things might go back to the way they were for conferences. It's quite useful to have people yeah. fly out and be in one place.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would I would just say that maybe you would take more conscious decision that you don't go to I don't know fifteen conferences. and I guess especially at the level of group leaders they won't go to like to defenses or to to go to let's like, just check in meetings for a day. But at least when you sign up for a conference for a whole week or and then you for the full experience, maybe so the frequency is reduced and you really pick the ones which are you want to engage in then you're fully there and uh, because I think that's another thing that when you are on a zoom call or something you have, have always like your mailbox open you have I don't know whatever distraction but on a conference is a full experience and I think you will maybe pick more selectively but in general I would say some conferences are really beneficial for the um, progression and creativity process of of research. But I would definitely say that this kind of more efficient, conscious decisions on where to go are important. Did you have any challenges
1: uh, that you faced because because of the, the sudden changes um, situation in 2020, especially because you were It was a big year for you because you were finishing up with the conferences and writing your papers and finishing HD. You said earlier that it was actually easier for you because you were starting to write your and being in a lockdown kind of, uh, in a way, inconsequential. You didn't really realize that it was a big change, but did you have any particular difficulties because of that?
2: Yeah, I think it was the first lockdown period in that sense was made easier. Maybe once I blocked out the media, the daily input of not good news, because at some point, yeah, it was too much. And once I was in the writing models, it, was, it went well. And this was, I guess, in retrospective, very beneficial. But then afterwards, yeah, I would say, I mean, I'm also, I'm very happy how my institute handled it, that I could still defend at least in the auditorium with a certain amount of people although the committee was online so this semi-percential PhD defense was still the best what I could get because I was also like you project yourself so much that after five years you defend your PhD and then you can't even like I would not have wanted to just sit in front of my computer so I had a bit both and this uh, was a great thing but this was also not clear until I don't know not even like the week before it it was clear (laughs) And then even I could celebrate with a few people, but certainly it's. But I would say within that all of it, it, it was fine how it it turned out. But on the other hand, more the difficulty was I think dealing with all these things that every week it could change, or even on a daily basis the situation. Often there were new restrictions and whatever, so you always had to adapt. And that was sometimes when you're anyways in a very stressful period, and you have to think so of so many things, and then this. Added like a lot of uncertainty to it, and that also. This is why I wanted to have this bridging postdoc time just to figure out because I could not handle more questions in my head before I was defending. So I'm. in that sense. I'm also grateful for the time I had now that I could also finish the project well and figure out what I wanted to do next. And that brings me to my next challenge. I think for me it was also. Good to have this time because now, although we don't even now see the the end of this pandemic yet, but but to start then to change from a place to a new place that was one the things where and this will be one of the challenges of this year. To to I think in the end it will go somehow fine because we're all in the same thing. But still, I'm a bit afraid of changing because it was clear then that I will change from Barcelona to a new place, but. Yeah, letting go of one place and taking still advantage of it and then figuring out that you set up your new life in a different place. I mean, still I somehow trust in the process, but it's certainly the biggest challenge I will face, I think, for myself personally, for since it's also crucial for me that somehow it's not only work which counts. So so to have a yeah. like a work life balance. Yeah.
1: So but, that's yeah. something. That you're looking forward to in a way like we started with a pretty dark question like what was not good yeah. in 2020 but like yeah you have something to look forward to in 21 that, that you're going to move to a new place and set up a new life in a way in Lausanne
2: yeah yeah it, it's in on the one hand very exciting on the one hand you have this lower moment so it's like it has both sides no but for sure and it's exciting and chal- it will be challenging but yeah <laughs>
1: Do you think um, with the pandemic and everything that's uh, going on because of it, there'll be maybe more of a shift in the way that uh, people who are finishing their PhDs approach their career? Because uh, even before the pandemic, I think there were like a record number of uh, people with PhDs who were leaving academia. Uh, Do you think that will somehow accelerate with the pandemic and the economic crisis that people might move towards jobs that that maybe won't offer them any stability, but... uh, but they will look more for like uh, financial security. And what do you think this means? Like there's a second question that I have also because uh, um, I've personally been like a bit surprised by how deeply the pandemic has affected women in the workforce. So I would like to know like what do you think about the future of women in the workforce? It's just a temporary setback that that a record number of women have lost their jobs in the pandemic or do you think um, that's something that uh, that will have a bigger impact in the future.
2: Yeah, these economic consequences and the ones especially on women in the workforce, I think they will have drastic implications. In the scientific context or in the research world, at least from the academia side, I didn't see so far many changes, although like in terms of their studies now, I see they publish less because of the child care. But on the other hand, I also had like many people, Many of my colleagues or people from the working institute, not only in research, but also like in tech transfer projects, they are like, they are also heard from men that they appreciate that you have, that they could stay at home and be with their ch- children, which they never could before. But on the other hand, if since it's now ongoing and even like over a year, and often even if they go back to school, it can happen any day that they are the contact of a positive or they are coming home positive and then the whole family is like for 10 days confined at home. So I definitely see that and this is certainly affects more the women like it always has this for this society has to change more. If they, I think it's that is the biggest challenge that you since everything is at home and then to, to make a line and to say no, if the kid is here and you are here is, is even more trickier than when you before you had your more scheduled um, childcare and whatever. But on the other hand, at least that's one of the plus points of academia that, that we always had a flexible schedule, which also you need to do. You need to take care of your mental health more. That, but I mean, that's that you have a work-life balance in that sense. But yeah, so in that sense, the flexible and uh, schedule already helped. And I think it will also help in future in research. Um, but um, so... In terms of publication, I, we will see how this goes. Certainly, I think it will have implications also there. But uh, I mean, I would rather say from my experience from the field, I haven't seen yet the, the the big implication because we are, I would rather say we can still be happy that you always find some money somewhere and I still, uh, the, the research money has been already given, so Right now, I don't know of anyone getting like having lost a job. I think that's different kind of jobs who actually lost a job because since and even compared to other friends who work in industry, I can work from home and I can be from yeah. there or there. And I think more personally and also with with the decision making, it's people think twice if they really go for this supposedly impactful postdoc to the us for example if you are in europe or something so i think you make more conservative changes in that sense that you 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 we appreciate more that you need a work life balance and the people we have and maybe move less and maybe that's a good thing actually um, so, One part that I I, for me, I was clear that I wanted to be in Europe, but it was now after the pandemic, very clear that I didn't want to go very, very far abroad because starting already a new life is challenging. But if it's like super far away from the family or from the friends or from where you have your social network, I think that is sure less attractive due to the pandemic, which in the end might be even positive that it changes a bit this pressure of going somewhere else. And 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 I would say the sectors I'm working in, since it's so multidisciplinary, I mean many I know from from ICFO, from the institute they went to data science startups or this as a postdoc. So this were like the free standard things people went, went into after graduating. And I think more and more and more went towards startups and and data science and I see the same trend. It hasn't really changed, I would say. And if you think of the data science in any ways is a very upstriving and like it, it can be applied to anything. So I would say there is not a loss of there's more and more for um open position. So in that sense I would say if once you made your decision where to go, I think with the PhD in the fields of photonics or at the interface, it's 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 not less um and they are not less. The, the offer hasn't decreased in jobs. That's true.
1: Think. I think the this the the study that I saw was mostly in the industry, um, because uh, you're you're absolutely right. I think uh, women in leadership positions in academia are not uh, not as affected as in the industry because of the work life um, uh, flexibility, let's say, and uh, and that just exists everywhere in academia, whereas in yeah. the industry I have heard of. Uh, I've personally heard of people complaining that uh, sometimes uh, people's young children, like three or four years old, they will just come in the call and, and just call out if they're hungry or, you know, sometimes somebody's like uh, falling down and, uh, and somebody who's like uh, the boss of your boss has to go and pick their child up. Um, and I think there is somewhat, I feel like a uh, reticence to seeing like a, the, the human side of women in a way that you kind of hide the fact that you have young children at home if you're supposed to be on a Zoom call. Uh, and it's also quite difficult because in the industry, you're usually working very fixed hours. Uh, so somewhat like uh, nine in the morning to six, seven in the evening. And that's usually the time when everything else is going on, when your kids have school, when you have, when you have to feed them, when they have their afternoon nap and et cetera. Uh, and you have to take on all of those responsibilities as well. And like you said, that uh, it, it, that's just how life is. It uh, it just uh, comes uh, to women these responsibilities. And unless society changes, uh, that's just how it will continue to be. But yeah, it's
2: um, no. no I mean, and I think in that sense, the the research life or academia has been already more open towards this kind of flexibility. And also, like you're quite used to already. Skype calls and yeah I mean we always had we, I had like mutually even uh, men like having dads like everyone interrupting or like kids and I think in that sense it, it also doesn't matter so much it's <laughs> maybe he also have, can come in your pyjama even and it's fine <laughs> I think in that sense it's it's less formal and more flexible anyways and this I think is certainly a plus and also with this level of of background or education yeah it's more that you maybe make your choice a bit more based on secure things that you either don't change your place or you you're close to your network that i think is kind of more stringent but other than that I think we still have a lot of possibilities to have a job and I don't know of many personally not of men or women who have lost their job now
1: that's a very good point about uh people deciding not to move so much before they, before they stay on for their permanent academic job. Uh, that's something that was happening quite a lot pre-pandemic and it was quite prevalent. And I think now people have also kind of realized that they need to have their support system and uh, you don't always know for how many years you will move when, when you do. So it's um, it's also like a like a decision to have a nice balance between the person and the professional
2: yeah and i also see like in that sense i think just when you look now into the houses available of a city i see that in this like even barcelona and i guess it applies to paris as well that people have considerably moved out because they know they maybe one or twice once or twice per week they they go into the city if they need to be there potentially but on the other hand they, i think the the interest in finding a, a nice Place where you are comfortable and you can work nicely from home, and you have also some surrounding to to then switch off, like just to go out in nature or do some sports or something. This is now also people know they need this and they are able to to do that. No, I mean from the flexibility of their job, and it was maybe already existing for for in for research, but now it's I think it's spreading to other kind of jobs as well but in general Mm -hmm. i think that's a trend that the pandemic has shown people what is important to them in life like the place that they are comfortable like as a as an apartment flat or like lifestyle their support system all that has to be a full package where you are comfortable living in and then if another pandemic happens or something like you never know and you should be at least fine with that no i think yeah maybe that has also yeah. been a good lesson and a, a rather positive one and I think and I will would support any positive change coming out of that.
1: Yeah I think that's a that's a very good point and um, on that note I also want to ask you like uh, what do you think are the positive changes that are coming um, in terms of uh, technological innovations or in terms of new research fields that are being developed um, as a as a result of this pandemic or as a result of everything else that's been um, due to it?
2: Yeah, in, in general, I think the broader public or people like on that scale have realized that research is actually <laughs> providing solutions to to tackle a pandemic. Although then, on the other hand, I think where we, I see that we should all improve is with the communication because, yeah, on the one hand, it has sped up the whole process of, of how to... and discover and, and generate a vaccine, for example, but then due to, I don't know, I don't understand the whole ethics of pharmaceutical companies and their press and all of them, it even sometimes appeared Um, a bit like that that now people become apprehensive of it and not considering to not take it so we have to be very careful to not only to be very sure with the statements and break them down that people understand and and really tailor the message I think and, and break yeah so that the people understand of the necessity and the impact of of research and and not become like confused about it because i mean I also see that i mean it's a very for us it's a very normal approach you know to discuss and maybe you have to rectify you have to adapt your solution and it, it might hold in one thing and one context and then it, it turns out that you have to i don't know take it back change it or or that we the different research groups it's common to criticize because also this competition or this questioning improves the final solution but on the other hand it can also appear to the general public a bit like we don't know what we do so so i think like in germany there was this drosten this podcast which also helped but even he he really tried to break down and explain what is coronavirus and how do you face it and what are how to deal with the whole situation but he often had also to just fight, like not understanding that there can be one paper and then it can be again like one scientific yeah. result out and then it has to be rectified or it it has to be retracted and and but as far as it's normal, but I think we should improve in the communication. I would say that people understand and are not confused or then doubting that we don't know what we do. So yeah. in that sense, I think, and it's
1: a, in essence, it's also like the point of what we do—to not know exactly what we do because yeah, we don't know I mean, what it's the know.
2: sense. Yeah, it's, it it does a trick. Like it always moves us forward. No, if we would have known, there's no point in the research. But we should do it in a way that we don't scare people away <laughs> <laughs> and still give them the, the the trust and and make them believe in it. And and I think certainly in the whole biomedical biotechnology. Um, sectors this is now an, another great push I mean and I see that this field will be what's already so predicted to be striving and, and becoming very important and I think it becomes even more and I think also for example that you are maybe in future able to do telemedicine, medicine like that, that actually the doctor diagnoses you via zoom call at least or like I mean there will be I think in the whole medical. Um, pharmaceutical biotechnical uh, sectors, I think that has been beneficial the pandemic even. Like even like just that people know on a larger scale what is RNA is, is yeah. really a big achievement.
1: That's, that's huge for us, that's true. So last week I was talking to, uh, to Anna Shrinskaya, who's one of my friends and uh, she's the CTO of uh, Omini Labs, uh, a startup that's developing a medical device that can test your blood uh, anywhere. So you can use it as a portable blood testing device to detect any kinds of biomarkers. And she actually had like, a, like the opposite point of view that, uh, that it might become more and more difficult to commercialize medical devices because there will be a lot more uh, regulatory work um, required to be done in the future because in the, the field is not super regulated right now but they're adding more and more regulations linked to um, sensitive data that you acquire Mm -hmm. because you're acquiring uh, physiological data of people. So while I think, I think that's a very good point to make because I do think that people have, on the user side, people are becoming more and more accepting of new technologies and telemedicine and telehealth and kind of wanting to have like this this whole like environment democratized. So tomorrow I might want to do my tests on my own and not have to wait two hours to see a doctor. But at the same time, like, yeah, there's there's also a question that needs to be asked on like, what kind of data am I giving about myself to whom? Uh, while I'm doing that test, so yeah, actually that's so, a that's a very interesting point.
2: Yeah, but I think that's one of the this data management, and that's that's on a larger scale. It also goes beyond science or research. It's, I think it's something we have to solve all over the world in every kind of aspect of life and work. How yeah yeah
1: how this <laughs> yeah it's becoming more and more important, and I hope more and yeah. more PhDs join this field. So. So we'll yeah. have like a more, let's say, experts in the field rather than people yeah. who don't really At least those
2: who bring in this this kind of approach that you have to question things to not only yeah. take things for granted or, yeah, you have to criticize and that this in the end will improve the whole outcome.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the value that uh, that PhDs provide is really the, the fearlessness in trying to make mistakes because... Uh, that's what you do every day in academia. You make so many mistakes that you just become immune to them. So yeah. I think, in a way, like uh, building up a system from scratch uh, and knowing that uh, making a mistake is not uh, not the is not a personal criticism is not the end of something is I think they're really really valuable qualities. Know, and in yeah. in that note, like uh, I want to ask, do you have any recommendations uh, for anyone who's thinking about um, anything that you're doing in your life right now? A book, uh, a TV show. Or a kind of workout? What would you like to share?
2: Yeah, I certainly would like to share that you have to take care of you as a whole. And that that also goes back to the introspection I did um, to figure out whether I want to go for postdoc or um, into industry di- directly, like project mm-hmm. management. One of the essential questions is, when someone asks you, who are you? and you define yourself then only as I'm Pamina and I'm a postdoc doing this, then basically you define yourself as your work. And yeah, you you either want this or not, but it has to be a conscious decision. And I think for me, it's very essential that I also spend time with my friends and, and do work, sports in that sense. So for me, doing daily at least 30 minutes of, I don't know some kind of sports more whatever it can be running biking doing a workout doing some yoga it helped me a lot to have this and I have always been that but I think the pandemic also showed me that I need I do it more regularly and it it's beneficial for me so in, in overall I want to encourage everyone to to take care of this and even yeah when someone asks you <laughs> who are you then you have to be happy with who you are and now in the moment and not in 5 years but now
1: and, wow that's a really yeah. great philosophy to life and i think it's uh it sets you up for like um for solving problems and kind of understanding yourself in the long term and not just looking at what tomorrow is, because I think to advance in life you need to understand like what your profound needs are and what kind of a person you are, and, um, and where well, you want to yourself. go.
2: No. Yeah. yeah, somehow I have a bigger vision, but also enjoy the day or on a daily basis in that sense. Yeah, oh, that's conscious. a really
1: <laughs> that's a really profound recommendation. I think that's not something that you can do in a day for sure.
2: No, but at least I think you can every day. I mean, the sun rises every day. So that, that's a it's a, it's there's a funny song I always like it. It's in my mother tongue. But in German, it's like the sun rises every day. It also is every day a new chance to do something new and change some things. I Think you should not oh, wow. be dis disencouraged. Like yeah, yeah, that's super optimistic. Which make the big things. <laughs> yeah, it's like
1: every every drop makes the ocean. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's really yeah. optimistic. Well. Uh, on that note, I would like to thank you, Pamina for, uh, for sharing your insights and, and yeah for uh, for this wonderful conversation. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you and learning about what you what you think the future might look like in academia and uh, what the trends are in the, uh, in the industry.: even.
2: Thanks a lot and I hope Thanks you had so a great much. time too yeah no i really really enjoyed it and thanks so much and i'm looking forward to listening to your podcast and learning also a lot about all the conversations you will have so thanks a lot
0: thank you for tuning in to the research podcast I'm always on the lookout for new ideas, so if you have any comments or suggestions, please reach out to me. You can find my contact details in the show notes. Wish you a great week and see you next time. Bye.